Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 53124 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Welcome to another episode of the Self Build Plus podcast, where we chat with self builders, suppliers, and experts about all things home building and renovating in Ireland on both sides of the border. I'm Astrid Matson, your host and the editor of Self Build Magazine. This episode, we chat with Jason Taylor, who built himself a home in County Down. He's also famous to the Instagram community at Graphicar. That's at G-R-A-F-F-I-C-A-R. So, yeah, it started out um, just uh, about three or four years ago now, where I um, got engaged, basically, and um, yeah, it was 2015, and um, my now wife and I were just sort of looking towards the future, obviously planned a wedding and things, and just said um, that she had some land was planning on it, so we sort of had to look into it, really, and just said, you know, is this going to be feasible? So luckily we didn't have to hire an architect. I managed to do all that myself. So um, that saved a fair amount of money. At least we could test it. So um, you're, you're, You yourself are a designer, aren't you? Yes, I'm a, I'm a part one architectural assistant. So there's three parts to it. Um, your part one is your undergrad. Part two is your master's. And part three is your professional exams. And that's when you can call yourself an architect. So um, I've only done my undergrad so far. But um, I've been working in practice now for almost 10 years, I think. So I have a fair amount of experience anyway to do it all. So, And then I have a few colleagues in work that helped me along the way with a bit of detailing and some project management issues and things like that. So they were very helpful. Yeah, that's handy. Yeah. Definitely, yes. <laughs> Considerably. <laughs> so it is. And then, of course, you know, you're very saturated, you know, to the whole industry as well. We get newsletters and you know, suppliers send things all the time and constantly doing cpds and bits and pieces like that there so we're seeing all the latest and greatest kind of stuff but um yeah so we just sort of um there was planning already on the site um and um i it was active as well so i just had to submit a change of house type application with um our local council um it went through no objections um no issues nothing which was a first honestly <laughs> so it was but, in your um, experience from working in the practice yeah yeah usually you get um usually you get a few things would say you know uh maybe reduce the ridge height and this that and the other but um no, it went through okay which was great um 
uh, it helped we were an infill site anyway so we were but um yeah we just sort of uh, had a look so that at means it. you're between two houses exactly between, yeah mm-hmm. yeah so to our right hand side is uh, my wife's parents house where she grew up and then to the other side uh, there's a house that was built maybe somewhere in the last sort of five six years so and it's I wouldn't say it's exactly modern as such but uh, from the front it looks like a bungalow at the back it's like a three-story um sort of structure but that definitely helped the fact that that was quite newly built so it did but um yeah we just sort of submitted it and then uh, basically we got planning and went right okay at least we're allowed to build this and then we went to um we have a family friend who's a qs so we just went over to him and said look standard like medium spec builders finish just ballpark it here's a very basic outline spec um can you just throw a few numbers at it essentially he came back um i can't remember i think he originally said it was like like 210,000 or something we sort of said right okay that's fine so ultimately we looked at how much savings we had and then just went to the bank and said what is the maximum you're willing to allow and allow to lend us and I can't remember how much now it was, but they um, they said X, and we were like, okay. And then we just looked at it and went, oh, looks like we probably could build this, okay. And I just started on the construction drawings, basically, done a full set, is very, very detailed. Um, usually we would write specs and work, so we would, but um, my plan was to essentially do such detailed construction drawings that hopefully there wouldn't be as many questions on site. So it had the spec written into all the, the drawings anyway. So I just sent that to the builder um, and he came back and said, here's roughly what it'll cost to build. And we said, okay, like that's on budget. So between the bank savings and then them coming in on budget, we were like, all right, let's go then. So we decided to start. And this builder, you found him uh, through, you already knew who you were gonna get or was it kind of a tenure yeah, process? Um, I've, I've come to find, um, if you try to try to pick a builder that's sort of as local as you can, really, it's, that's, you know, in terms of budgeting, that's quite good. They'll keep their prices down because their mileage isn't as high. Um, we, uh, our builder actually is only maybe about three or four miles away as their office from our house. So that's very, very close. It's actually my mum knows uh, one of the guys, Mark, and um, she said, look, keep them in mind, see what they're like. And then I was like, okay, fine. Didn't really know too much of their work. And then we um, went out to visit a couple of projects, had a look and uh, yep, I was happy enough with the build quality that we really didn't go to anyone else. So we didn't, we just we didn't even go to tender, just they came in on price, they were local and uh, the build quality was great. So I said, right, don't see any reason to give myself more work to do in terms of a tendering process and things like that. So. Yeah, we, absolutely. And in terms of the builder, did you consider kind of um, any others just from experience through work? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, there's a couple of builders um, that I had known. Uh, we went to actually uh, visit a few houses that had been built. There was a um, house maybe about five, ten miles away from us. Um, Mary's dad, he's an electrician, so he's always in and out of people's houses fixing bits and pieces. So. He just knew them and said, look, can my son-in-law and wife come over and have a look around? And I was like, oh, this is great. And it was actually quite similar 
um, a few of the layouts, the stair configuration was very similar. So that gave my wife quite a good uh, idea of scale, what it would look like, how it would actually function, that kind of thing. But um, we looked at them. Did you speak to homeowners when you went to visit the houses or was it just kind of just you assessing the, the build quality? No, no. Um, when we went with the builder, um, that was really to assess the build quality. And then um, when we went to visit the houses, uh, we maybe only visited about three, three houses. That was probably more focused on letting Mary, my wife, see the size of the rooms, you know, ceiling heights, uh, finishes and things like that there. And sort of did this open plan living configuration work for you? You know, because there's a few of them. Uh, one of the houses, uh, the couple have maybe about three or four kids or something like that. So it's like, does this actually help you keep an eye on them? Or is it just, do they run amok? <laughs> More mm-hmm. or less. So, but um, no, I was looking around for build quality and things like that as well, obviously. But um, it definitely helped in, in all aspects, absolutely. And, you know, our builders maybe brought uh, four or five different clients now to have a look. Build quality size of rooms configuration and they've even asked you know they've asked me and mary on the side um you know how did the project run did you run over budget did you run over time this kind of thing and i was like no 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 like just great builder like they've come highly recommended from me anyway so they have and uh, and so then in terms of the contract how did you organize that did you sign a contract with your builder directly just to lay out the terms and just in case there any disputes might arise or yes um well the thing is because they actually um because the builder knows my mama was probably relying on more awkwardness if anything uh, <laughs> arised but um no uh, i mean if i'd done this and work my boss would probably kill me but um we actually signed a contract that the builder drafted up um it wasn't jct it wasn't nec or anything that got there um but what had happened was I looked up the RIBA domestic building contract and um, uh, bought that, had a copy sent over, read it and thought, oh, I can't act as contract administrator because I'm not a registered architect. Turns out I had actually misread that and you can act as your own contract administrator as far, well, as, far as I know you can anyway. So um, we would have used that contract, but it's very loosely based anyway on a JCT contract. And then as I read through the builder's contract, there's just, it was outline spec, very, very basic, like two pages of a contract, nothing really about disputes. Um, it was more or less just, we sort of agreed in principle, really, like that if anything came up, you know, any extras or if maybe I had designed something wrong that we would just deal with it then and there, see what the price is going to be and just try and work it out amongst yourselves. And there was once... Um, yeah, one thing I, uh, forgot that cavity walls require wall ties basically. So it <laughs> was <laughs> silly of me, but, uh, we have a building control required, a um, that required a, a pocket door for, um, fire safety reasons. And, uh, I thought, oh, we'll just, it forms part of the two story, um, uh, the two story uh, external wall above. So I thought, oh, we'll just carry the cavity wall down and the door will slide into it. Of course, obviously, if there's a wall tie in the way, it's not going to slide very far. So um, mm-hmm. we um, builder just called me to site and said, look, you need to come and have a look at this. And I was like, right, no problem. I look and he said, look, obviously, that's not going to go in there. I went, right, okay. And he sized the steel 
I think it was 155 pounds or something extra. I said, look, Mm -hmm. that's fair enough. That's my mistake. We'll cover that. No issue. No qualm. There was no argument about it. I was like, that's, that's ours. Don't worry about that. So I'd be fairly honest in that sense. And there, as I've come to find out now through the process, they were very honest as well, but unfortunately not all builders and trades and things like that can be like that, but we were very fortunate. Yeah. And so in terms of you said, you mentioned that there was a quantity surveyor involved at the beginning. Did Mm -hmm. you have them um, kind of, did they help later on? Or was it just to get a ballpark figure on the on the total cost? No, it was just for a ballpark figure. Um, mm-hmm. We, um, you know, I tend to see a lot of um, QS documents in work, so I had a fairly decent idea of how much you know, most things would tend to cost. Um, in particular, the big ones that tend to run over your bathrooms and uh, your kitchen and things like that. So I had made sure, you know, when we were allocating all the different funds as per you know what the the builders um quote was and how much the kitchen was going to be extra and electrical work and this that and the other uh, so there's a couple of things we had done outside of the contract ourselves such as like we put a, a heat recovery system in our kitchen bathroom and then mary's dad was the electrician so we had to sort all the electrical work ourselves but um no, it was, uh, we just used them for a ballpark figure, really. And then mm-hmm. I just kind of allocated it. And our contract was a fixed price contract. So that wasn't going to fluctuate, except for anything, you know, steel work that was forgotten about, or if we wanted to upgrade any part of the spec at any time. And how did you negotiate then those prices with the individual tradesmen? Um, was there a negotiation? Was it just a case of like, this is how much... The hate recovery costs and you know yeah well yay or nay kind of thing or was there kind of any kind of um, way to 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 keep things in in check in terms of costs for that most of them are pretty pretty much they're fixed in their ways essentially um we went with beam for our heat recovery system and our we have one of the, the vacuum systems as well actually and uh when we were speaking with um kevin he was our uh like point of contact uh, sales guy and uh, he came over to the flat we were living in had a chat through give us the rough price of stuff and then said look we're going to be at the self-build show up in Belfast so we're actually going to be running a discount and I said right okay so we said hold out come up to that there and if you book it in there I think well basically the way it ended up working out is we got the ventilation or not the ventilation the uh, the vacuum system for free more or less is the way it ended up working out so wow, okay. yeah. yeah, it was great. And I, I was a bit hesitant about shopping it, so. around a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Hesitant yes. about what? About the vacuum? Yeah, I was like, oh, do we really need that? <laughs> like, <laughs> bit of a, you know, luxury gimmick kind of thing. But it's actually brilliant. <laughs> I've had to eat my words on that one. So I have. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is quite handy, actually. Yeah. It is. Yeah, but you yeah, get really yeah. good suction out of it is the big thing. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. much more power than from that. Yeah. Oh, we, we filled the bucket, um, you know, within a week of moving in with so much dust everywhere. So, mm. yeah, it was well used, to say the least, like. Yeah. yeah. So how did you keep a tab on costs and did you use a spreadsheet? Sounds a bit old fashioned, but No, no, absolutely. It's the uh, best way forward. We um in work I, I pretty much use all the same techniques I would use in work. Um same systems and processes. Like we just have trackers for everything in work and they're all Excel based, you know. Some we're quite a small office anyway, so there's no need for cloud based 
kind of stuff. You know, we don't have people all over the world or whatever, but um, Excel is absolutely fine. And we, I use Dropbox for everything. So all my drawings, uh, CAD files, all the details, all everything is saved into my Dropbox. So then it's always on your phone. You know, if you happen to be meeting the kitchen guy, you can go, oh, hang on, I'll get you the latest set of drawings up and you can just write then and there in front of you. But we, um, the same with the trackers, you know, if we're going to say, we went to a tile place and I was like, oh, how much have we allowed for tiles? So I just get the Excel up on the phone and go, oh, it's allowed for that there. And then sort of negotiated a couple of prices and things with them. So, but all, all Excel, I have a full, um, what do you call it? Uh, I have a full Excel sheet of, you know, how much the quote was, how much we actually paid. And then some things came in staged payments, like, you know, our, our build, for example, with the contractor, we done it in four stages. So then I keep a running tally of how much we've paid them to date. So we know how much is left to pay. And it's, it's the same Excel actually that um, I'd shared on the, the self build takeover. So it is. So mm-hmm. anyone that's ever seen that one, that's yeah, exactly. So that's exactly what I've used. And I have like a, a small tracker for um, the, the VAT as well. That's the only other thing I have. So just those mm-hmm. two Excels. Yeah. Very, very handy. So who signed off on all those stage payments? You obviously have building control showing up at various stages to check things, but then you would have had to have um, maybe an engineer or something sign things off for for the bank to release the stage payment or? Yep, no, that's exactly it. Um, the, um, the builder actually, they have uh, their own engineer that comes to do all that for them. And very handily for him, he's about four doors down from us. So. I don't, right. he, I don't think he charged the mileage, but <laughs> um, he literally just walked down to site. So yeah, he was fine. So he was. He just signed off at each stage. Uh, no issues whatsoever with the bank. Everything's been fine. So I just have to fill out the. Um, in the middle of doing the, the snag list actually today. So I am. Great, but that's interesting that the builder had their own engineer because you could think there's conflict of interest there. Oh yeah, think absolutely. That the bank agreed to that, but. Yeah, well, I mean, I do most of the inspections anyway, pretty much every yeah. single night. So it's obviously a different position, given that I would tend, you know, I work in the industry. So there's there's professionals out there that can come and do snags for you, independent of builders or building control or whoever you want, really. But, um, you know, any queries that sort of looked a bit strange that I hadn't seen before, I just, again, go back to my colleagues and work and say, look, does this look a bit right to you or... Should I be saying something about that? And then they say, oh, mm-hmm. no, no, that's about right. Or no, do change that, actually. Go and say it to them. Yeah. So, but no, like, I mean, we haven't really, I mean, I haven't noticed anything yet. So <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> and fallen, so you, so. <laughs> yeah, nothing fell on your head yet. Um, so the, the VAT back, you mentioned that little tab in Excel, because you're lucky to be in Northern Ireland and you get all the VAT back for yes. because you're building new um so what was that process like so you have to like keep all your invoices it's a bit it's a bit of admin but um it is walk yes us through how that went the advantage is if you have a builder the vast majority of your stuff is covered under them so they have to do it zero vat rated um you know we ended up our builder said look if you go to the guy that the guy that they tend to use for bathrooms he'll keep the VAT off and charge that our builder the VAT. The VAT. 
So I said, right, okay. And again, thought uh, conflict of interest, is he getting the kickback here? But, you know, the same scenario, we went to the bathroom guy and uh, he came in under budget actually, which was a shocker to me, but um, he came in like maybe 500 pounds under budget or something. So, right, okay. which was great. I mean, it's not much, obviously in the grand scheme of you know, a couple of hundred thousand pounds, but 500 pound, you know, here and there starts to add up pretty quickly. But mm-hmm. um, no, he was, he was great. So he kept the bat off, but yes, like you say, you basically just, I kept the receipts for everything. You know, if I went and got spray foam, if I went and got, you know, nails, whatever, I just, I wasn't sure what passed and what didn't. So I just kept receipts for absolutely everything. I reordered, Obviously, as I said, all of our electricals, they were outside of the contract. So um, we had to sign up with uh, an electrical wholesaler. Uh, so we set up an account with them. And unfortunately, we had to pay all the VAT on all that. And then we claim all that back because that is the issue. It's People see how much it costs to build a house and then they forget about the VAT on top. And mm-hmm. obviously, you have to have the capital to pay for that. Yes, you get the money back, of course, but... Um, it's having the capital up front to pay for it and just I had everything worked out in that Excel to down to the pound. <laughs> and I was like, right, <laughs> don't be going over this. So, but yeah, it is. It's just um, keep all your receipts. I kept all of ours, um, kept all our invoices, stage drawdowns, uh, PI insurance from the engineers signing off, kept all of that just in a filing cabinet um, in the house. And then anything we were claiming VAT back on, I just kept it all in an envelope. But I have an Excel tracker, so I put in like the net, the gross percentage of VAT, and then roughly how much of that all came to. So then I could keep a running tally of, okay, we're going to get, I think it's maybe about four, just over £4,000 back in VAT or something like that. So then when HMRC come back, I can just quickly look at it and go, oh yeah, that's about right. Yeah, fine. And, and the then, application process itself, was it difficult to know for? Was it fairly straightforward? Some people have had some issues in terms of um, proving that the house was completed or not completed. There's kind of some claims have been turned back. Your your, your process was very straightforward. Was it? Was I'm, in the, I'm sort of still in the middle of doing it. We actually have a, an ensuite still to put in. <laughs> so we do. Right. But, um, yeah, well, that's typical of a self-building. Oh, it's fine. We have all the painting to do. Like I've started sanding walls upstairs now and things like that. But um, you know, I'm in the middle of filling out the application form at the moment, actually. But I've called HMRC and asked, you know, is is th- we have three months then you see to get your application back to them. And I asked, is that from issuing of the completion certificate from building control or is that from your practical completion? And they had said, no, no, it's from like when you finish the work. But it's a bit of a gray area, honestly, because a very gray area. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. when, how do you prove when you know, we paid for our bathrooms months ago? So it's, you know, when do you prove that's the last of it finished? So I'm personally going to try and get it done in the next sort of couple of weeks here. So we're within the three months of completing with building control. And then if there's a few things that lie outside it in terms of that, so be it. Like I'd rather get the most of it back than worry about a, you know, another couple of hundred pounds or something like that. So Absolutely. I would try and get it done. Yeah. But no, when did... they're, they're fine to talk to you. I called HMRC and they dealt with the query on the phone and very helpful people. So so far it's been pretty smooth but um i'm sure all self-builders know you feel rich for a year with all the money coming in and out and then all of a sudden you're like oh right here i've got 200 pound left in my bank like damn (laughs) (laughs) 
That's right, Amper. <laughs> so, yes, everyone wants the bat back if you can get it. So, <laughs> absolutely. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. We didn't really touch upon like what you put into the house and you mentioned the the mechanical ventilation and the the central vacuum, but just mm-hmm. quickly for heat and hot water, what'd you do? We just went with an oil boiler. Um, all that happened was uh, we had toyed around with uh, looking at a air source heat pump, and uh, I think it was going to cost maybe fifteen thousand pounds or something. And it was kind of we were going to have to put the build off for a good year at least to save up for that, and. Um, we just, you know, we wanted it done and then we ended up at the self-build show in Belfast and um, I ended up getting chatting to uh, Micah Jones and just, I asked him, I noticed through magazine articles and a few other bits and pieces, he hadn't explained what his um, heating system was. So I just out of interest was, you know, do you use a heat pump? Did you use oil? What do you do? And he said, oh yeah, just a big oil boiler basically. Um, focus on the fabric and if he very kindly reminded me of the fabric first approach so we put everything into good insulation our tightness products um and then we just use an oil boiler and so far uh we haven't had the heat on probably since march i would say and it's maybe gone down sort of one little dial like we've we're, we still have over half a tank left from when we put it in. And then we have a lot of glass that's orientated for the path of the sun. So we take advantage of that quite well. So um, we get a lot of sort of solar gains and uh, you know, between the heat recovery system and the tapes. And we use the tapes just around the windows and the paint on membrane. We just use that around the uh, floor junctions. Is Surprisingly, that's where you can get a lot of drafts actually. So mm-hmm. we just used around there, didn't use a single membrane. Um, all we did was just, when the plasterboard went up for the suspended ceiling, uh, Blower Proof have a white paint product. So all we did was just paint all the plasterboard junctions, all the junctions with the walls, and then they just plastered and skimmed over the top of that. And we blew in our tightness rating of about, I think it was three, something like that. Pretty good for not using membranes and just standard sort of um, plastering practices. So. We spend. Yeah, that's good. That's your threshold for introducing mechanical ventilation. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. all that happened was I just sort of, you know, we see it in work. We're doing a project at the moment and the amount of membranes in our tightness products, you know, I don't, I'd be surprised if they'd make the money back in the lifetime of the building, but we spent 900 pounds 
like and you know <laughs> we're blowing a three so I'm more than happy enough to say the least obviously me and Mary had to go and apply most of the tapes and the paints and things so the labor's taken out of it but 900 pound for basically not having our heat on in five odd months is you know we nearly make the money back in two summers so I was happy yeah. enough with that really how big is the house it is 241 square meters with a 38 square meter garage as well. So did you go with radiators then or underfloor? Underfloor heating throughout the whole thing. Right. Um, both for uh, aesthetic reason and for um, uh, in terms of practicality of heating energy efficiency. It's just it's a better way to heat. We have a we have a four meter high um, kitchen ceiling that's it vaults up, so it's far easier to heat with the amount of glass that we have there as well. And then we have a, a wood burner as a secondary system, and it's in our living area, which if you leave the sliding door open, actually carries all the way up into our second story as well, right in the other side of the house. So um, we didn't go with a liquid screed, so we don't get the rapid response. But if you obviously in terms of like thermal retaining thermal energy in the walls you know we we went with a standard sand cement screed to hold the heat better same with the fabric first so and so far it's been paying off i mean we'll see how it goes in the winter here but um i can't see it really changing too much honestly just seems to have everything's just sort of come together really well and thankfully worked out so it has uh, we turned it on in january i think towards the end of january start of february that was to dry out the screed and the plaster had sort of been drying out for maybe a few weeks prior to that anyway. So yeah, we just, we left it on and just let it, we ran it all, you know, up and down twice just to let the floor start to climatize. So we didn't get any um, cracks and things like that once we started to put down um, the floor finishes and things. So um, we've got a couple of issues with some of the floors, but they're just, we put a laminate down. So it's just a matter of opening the joint slightly at the door thresholds and just, it's not a massive issue with that one. So and the tiles, none of them have cracked, thankfully. So seems to have worked. <laughs> just when it was delivered, it was, I think, about four weeks before we ended up laying it down anyway. So and I, the house we just, is heated. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So we just had the heat on and just left mm. it. Like, as I said, the house, on a warm day, I can venture north of 25. <laughs> so yeah. it's a bit warm. Yeah, so, <laughs> and, and so how did, how did you design kind of for overheating because that is becoming an issue with all this glazing that we put in our houses 100 percent, it is um honestly i didn't think it would get that hot so it didn't um that's probably the one thing i didn't think about but we have a large sliding door at the back so um we just um put the heat recovery down to its lowest setting and then just open the door more or less so the heat recovery yeah. system is really probably going to be doing its work more in the colder months sort of maybe October onwards or something mm -hmm. as opposed to over the summer and we have the, there's a summer cooling mode and everything and it's just it's just hot <laughs> yeah very but it doesn't really day. cool yeah yeah it just ventilates so having air yes, move yes. around makes you feel cooler even if it's exactly not. my wife's loving it though she she asked for a warm house in fairness so she definitely got a warm house <laughs> but um yeah I was sitting there in you know a pair of shorts literally and then she's like, oh, this is a nice wee temperature. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> Boiling. <laughs> I'm like on holiday. <laughs> Sweating bullets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but no bad thing. I mean, it's obviously doing its job. The insulation's holding its heat. 
heat recovery is doing its thing, you know, with no damp anywhere. So it's obviously all the systems are working. So we got our first uh, quarterly electric bill there. I think it was 80 pounds or something. So it's you know fairly low energy bills, which is good. So um, was was there anything else you wanted to mention or touch upon or you know, um, tips, advice? I suppose tips, really. Um, I would have a fair amount of people actually contact me on Instagram. Usually the, the main one is, oh, where's that Excel? <laughs> so they, but I, I don't know if a lot of people think it's maybe, you know, that we were, um, like all our figures were in it or what, but it's, it's literally everything zero. So it's just an Excel that you can plug your information into and it'll just populate the whole thing for you. So I've taken the, the bother out of doing the formulas essentially, but um, it's quite good. I'm actually going to probably make the, the VAT tracker as well. I'll probably put that on my Google Drive and put a link to that and things because it is quite handy. It's very, very, it's very simple. It's, there's nothing, you know, sort of overly complicated to it. There's no pie charts come out of it or anything like that there, but um, it is handy, I found. Yeah. It's, it's just a private Instagram, actually, that I just sort of, I just started documenting it. And um, I'm very sort of into photography and uh, documenting things anyway it's the nature of the work that I do anyway you have to keep notes on everything so um just started taking pictures it was kind of more for me and my wife to look back and go oh god like that was only a year ago like look where we are now but um it ended up you know I sort of found this whole like counterculture of other self-builders which was insane I just didn't think there was that many other people doing it and um it was just nice I didn't really see too many people talking in detail you know, it was more, oh, this looks good and this is a kitchen, whereas I tried to go more into the sort of, this is why I done it and here is, you know, reason A, which was to save money, but here's how you do it in a way that both saves you money and it looks good. So it was just that sort of thing and just kind of what your architect and your engineers and everyone sort of should be doing with you anyway, but explain it a little further so people try to get, you know, a little more, um, uh, just a little more, information before they maybe start the process but yeah people would the ask practical me elements more so yeah i am absolutely i used to be very aesthetic driven at university and um now more than ever it's you know it, it can look nice but you know if you're ceiling six meters high how are you going to change the light bulb at the end of the day so practicality is key in my opinion it has mm-hmm. to function first and foremost you know our, our house looks quite big when you drive down to it but um pretty much everyone that comes through as they start moving through to the spaces will say oh this is actually really homely and like a nice domestic scale it's not tiny it's not you know you you can't fit 30 sofas in it you know we have one sofa in our living room and it's just enough that there's you know it's not overpowering in the like a grand scale sort of thing Mm -hmm. which is nice so how many bedrooms do you have um we have four bedrooms mm-hmm. and we have one on the ground floor that's that's probably one thing to actually try and consider like in terms of uh, future proofing although i think in the south you have to put uh, i think they're they're bringing in regs that you have to put a bedroom on the ground yeah, floor it's now part uh, m i think the for access yeah yeah and then mm-hmm. they're they're bringing that in in the north soon um whereas uh, the, uh, you know by the time I was planning this all out I was like look our pensions are going to be terrible so I don't want to waste my pension money converting a room into a bedroom let's just do it now 
So we have a ground floor bedroom with an ensuite, and that's for when we can't get up the stairs to our bedroom, if a parent gets sick, if we one of us ends up disabled or maybe have a child with disabilities, as much as, you know, friends that come to stay, we've had friends come and stay, and that's just somewhere out of the way. They don't need to come and to and fro down the hallways and that kind of thing. Um, and then we have, the only other room is we have a like a small study, which is essentially my professional fees. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my reward. <laughs> So uh, we have a, a fairly sort of small room. It's about maybe sitting in it now. So it's maybe about two, two and a half meters in depth and about maybe two and a half, three meters long or something like that. But um, it's designed to be, it can be a playroom. It can be an office. It can be, you know, yoga. It can be a gym. It can be a bedroom. Whatever you need it to be. It's very, everything's fairly adaptable through the house. And sometimes it's, you know, not, it should be at the forefront, obviously. You want it to be a nice space and enjoyable, but your house should be able to adapt for you over you know, a period of 50-odd years. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, yeah. So. And the less and, money and you spend in that in the future, the better. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so just one last question in terms of the regs there. You're saying that they're meant to change in the north. I thought they couldn't change the regs till there was a government stormont. Is there? Did well. you hear? Did you hear anything about uh, the regs changing? Because they're it's they're really long overdue uh, oh. an upgrade, even in terms of energy efficiency. Oh yeah, in terms. Of, oh my goodness, I know it's it's actually ridiculous how much you can get away with up here. Like it, it is a bit shocking, honestly. Like we uh, we have no no green energy really, bar obviously solar gains natural kind of thing. But originally, I put in to get you know solar panels and that kind of thing and then the guy came back with a sap and said like you don't actually need to put all that in if you don't want and i was like all right okay so we've made provisions for <laughs> we've made provisions for solar panels in fairness you know if we we will connect them at some stage thermal um, or photovoltaic no Is thermal it just, thermal just, yeah. yeah just because uh, you know we're using oil over the summer literally to heat our water so i was like well if we don't need if we can take oil completely out of the equation and only keep it in the winter months then all the better so yeah, we're looking at doing that at some point. Um, but no, I mean, God, your guess is as good as mine. Whenever Stormont's going to come back, but uh, there's well, there's always talk in the industry. I suppose is probably the best way to put that, as opposed to they are changing it. But you know, in light of Grenfell, all the fire regs have been suspended, bar sort of one British standard. So they've a lot of work to get done today. But I don't think it's a bad idea, honestly, bringing it in anyway. You know. You probably should try to provide something like that in your ground floor anyway. God knows when they're going to actually implement any of these changes. Yeah, it's a shame. But listen, hopefully things will get moving on that soon. Yeah. <laughs> hope. Um, we I live know. in hope. Oh, I know. Well, I think we've all just kind of got used to it now, so we have. So it's like the running joke, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, God knows with Brexit as well. But listen, that's another uh, whole other <laughs> We'll get the next podcast um, on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it for this Self-Build Plus podcast episode. Tune in next time for more tips and advice from experts and self-builders alike. And make sure to explore everything Self-Build Plus has to offer. The Self-Build Plus journey guides you through the process of building and home improving. The Self-Build Plus forum allows you to share and learn from other self-builders. While the Self-Build Plus videos and our Self-Build Plus virtual events are packed with information and advice. 
with self built stop dreaming start building hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.